The West Side Casino. What can Brown do for the Ohio GOP and raising fees instead of raising taxes? These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Kathy Kandiski, Statehouse reporter for the Columbus Dispatch. Reginald Fields, Columbus Bureau Chief for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Jerry Austin, Democratic Consultant. And Terry Casey, Republican Consultant. In what has become a typical scene in this decades-long casino fight in Ohio, once arch-rivals shared the same stage, smiled, then gave each other man-hugs. After a month of harsh rhetoric and negotiation, casino developer Penn National decided to move its casino from the Arena District to the site of the closed Delphi Auto Plant on the west side of Columbus. Penn National says this plan will clear the way for the Columbus Casino to be the first to open in Ohio. City and business leaders twisted themselves in knots. They said while they oppose gambling, this is going to be a great thing for the struggling west side. Terry Casey, you have humbly, <coughs> humbly reminded us that you predicted that the casino would never be built in the Arena District. Did Penn National cave or did they make a smart business decision? Yes and yes. <laughs> and the reason why is because they potentially would have had a 10-year battle because their site, and it's actually three blocks west of the Arena District was not a very good site. One of the reasons why they're happy and why they picked the west site as opposed to south of Columbus along 270 is because of the traffic count along there, the visibility, uh, and also the fact they have 120 acres there compared to 24 in the Arena District, half of which was in the floodplain. So they're excited and the Ohio legislature is moving ahead on getting it put on the May ballot. But obviously one of the questions is how do you get voters in a lackluster May primary to decide to vote for this all over Ohio? I was skeptical, still am skeptical that it's actually going to be built there. But any surprises that happened this quick that they turned around pretty quickly and okay. said, okay, you win? They had, they had to pass, had to first agree on a site. Mm -hmm. And second, the legislature has to pass this to get it on, on the May ballot. Now remember, uh, uh, the issue that was passed said they can build, they may build, they don't have to build. Yeah. Uh, and so your skepticism may be well placed, but I think Terry's point uh, about we have something really unique here if this is on the ballot. I mean, we're going to be voting on something in the entire state to benefit one community that voted no on this. And now, how do you get people to come out in the lackluster primary, mm -hmm. low turnout, and uh, to have any interest in doing this? And people who voted no the first time think they have a chance of voting no on stopping gambling, and they can't, but it's going to be very interesting. Well, well, also, because no one's really stepped forward yet and said who's going to pay for a campaign, a statewide campaign, to get the vote out in support of this. So uh, that's another issue. Who's going to put the money up? And I, you know, I know that Penn National has been sort of painted as a villain early on in all this, but I, I kind of see this as a as a win-win situation either way for them, because even if they do move, then that's fine. They 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 worked in agreement. But if it loses, they've already got the land set up in the arena yeah. district to and build. And the biggest thing hidden in today's dispatch article, a lot of people might have missed, is Jeff Jacobs, 
the chairman of Mountaineer that owns Scioto, who financed most of the opposition in November, has said he isn't going to do anything to oppose it. So that is a very big thing, because if they don't have an opponent spending money, it makes it a lot easier to pass it. Well, there's a, casi a casino is going to be built. It's just a question of where, and it's win-win. I mean, Penn, is, as Jerry noted, they want to get their casino up first. They want to be the first one open. So there, you go along with this plan, wherever the voters decide, whatever the voters decide will dictate where, where they build, and they'll go. Um, any, before it gets to the ballot, the legislature, the supermajority of lawmakers have to put it on the ballot. Are there any, those hearings started this week, any hurdles to overcome at the state house? Youngstown legislators were kind of grousing, when are we going to get something? But the reality is, and don't be surprised if maybe a racetrack in the Columbus area is sold and it's moved to the Mahoney Valley and VLTs happen in the next two or three years. I'll put that in a prediction. I'm not mm -hmm. as certain of that today as I was on November 6th when I said it wouldn't be built in the Arena District. But there'll be some more deals, twists, and turns to happen in the months ahead because the legislature still has to pass the enabling legislation. Yeah. The governor still has to appoint the members of the commission. Is there any chatter in the state house, or is it just a rubber stamp at this point to get it on the ballot? No, I, I think there are a f another hurdle is is that there are some lawmakers who still who now think that this may be an, an opening to try to address the tax rate and a and a license fee issue. And again, that was a, it was a non-starter early on when like a day after the election um, this was raised, and now that it's coming up again, there are some who would like to maybe kind of piggyback this on that. And I, I'm sure it will it will be a dead issue. This this is not going to move if that were, if that were added to it. But Jerry, you're, you spend most of your time up in the Cleveland area. They had the casino, no big deal up there. The local leaders supported it, voters supported it overwhelmingly. How are, how is Cleveland viewing this fight down here? Uh, they're not paying attention to it whatsoever. Uh, you know, they got theirs, and uh, that's all they care about. However, if I was involved in this issue in May, I would take a look at the places in the state that overwhelmingly supported this issue. Cleveland would be one of them, and to try to get those folks to basically vote for something down here uh, is going to be interesting, but um, uh, this is, you know, in terms of political consulting, uh, first of all, it's a piece of business, so that's always good. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> who's going to pay for this? Penn National is going to pay for it. Uh, I can't imagine anybody else is going to do it. And, and thirdly, it's, it's, it's never happened before, so it's going to be kind of interesting to watch this. And in a lackluster primary, besides low turnout, this may be the, the number one issue in, in May that people are paying attention to. Does low turnout help this, though? I mean, assuming there's no well-funded opposition if Jacob sits out, and we haven't heard from the racetracks in West Virginia yet. I don't, we tried to get a hold of them this week, and they didn't call us back. There is Casino Free Columbus, which is going to oppose this. But if there's a low turnout and Penn National runs a okay campaign, gets their vote out, then that helps them. Well, I, I don't know, because it's never been done before. I mean, what's the message here? I mean, what's the message to the rest of the state, you know, help Columbus get a casino that they voted against and didn't want? Um, I mean, I mean... Well, they got a, the, the message, they, at the Columbus Metropolitan Club, the message was clearly, bring jobs to the west side. Fine, but if I'm in Cleveland... What does that do for me? And, and in Toledo and a lot of other parts of Ohio, they feel Columbus is this island of prosperity with all their tax money paying for Ohio State and state government. They aren't feeling much sympathy for Columbus and central Ohio. You know, with nobody paying a lot of attention to it outside the Columbus area, perhaps the best thing that these folks could do is try and get the parties involved and get them to endorse it, put it on their slates with all their candidates, vote yes for issue whatever. Um, and hope nobody pays too much, you know, if, if you don't think people are going to pay attention, that may be yeah. the easiest way to get it done.
And again, I, I don't see where this is bad either way for Penn, because even if there is a low turnout and it doesn't win, I mean, they're just going to go back to your so arena. Do you yeah, do I don't you see why they spend much money right. on it, really. Well, right. They spent $50 million last time, so if they already spent 8 or $10 million this time, they wouldn't be spending much money. But do you money. think as part of this deal, Penn National said, look, we'll go along with this. We won't fight you. We'll move it to the west side. We'll fund a campaign to try to get it moved. But if it fails, you all have to let us build in the arena district. I'm sure. Uh, well, they might think that, in fact, that the Metropolitan Club, their chief operating officer, kind of said that. Well, on Thursday, he was educated that we don't want you talking about what happens if it loses. Your message is it's going to win because they know if they don't get this to win and approve for the west side, they're going to have 10 years of battle and they'll probably never win because their site in the arena district has so many infrastructure problems. Okay, let's get to our next topic, certainly related. This proposed amendment to the amendment to the Constitution raises questions about the process of changing the document that guides lawmaking in the state of Ohio. This past fall, Voters changed the con Constitution in three ways. Now it looks like they will do it again in May, and no doubt there will be other voter-approved amendments in the years to come. Reggie Fields, any concern at the State House or at the Supreme Court that it's just a little too easy to change the Constitution? Um, that I'm sure that there are some concerns along along those lines, but uh, I haven't heard much in terms of, you know, let's try to do something about it necessarily, um, because ultimately there's still the, the most, the, the accountability tool is still in place, and that's the actual vote of the people, which comes at a later point. Um, so it's, it's looked at mainly as sort of a, a free speech sort of issue. I mean, if, if you have enough money and you can bring it and you can get something on the ballot, then, then so be it. But uh, whether or not it's going to get across still is up to the, to the vote of the people. And the reality is, and don't hold me this number exactly, but in roughly the last hundred years, I think this has only been like the third time where a petition initiated citizen change of the Constitution actually passed. Most of them have crashed and burned. So in some ways, this did happen. But the public inherently knows that when you change the Constitution and it doesn't come through the legislature, they're more suspicious of it, and that's why the track record's been so bad. Jerry, is it easier with companies now collecting signatures in the way campaigns are run now? Is it easier to run a petition campaign now than it was 20, 30, 50 well, years ago? Well, we don't have any choice now but to hire these petition-gathering firms, and, and based upon uh, you know, who's got the deep pockets, uh, it's a pretty profitable uh, uh, business, but you know the other interesting thing uh, about this is that when you talk to people about changing the Constitution, especially on the gambling issue, I don't I don't want to mess with the Constitution. Well, the problem is that it was in the Constitution. That's why you got to change it. I mean, you have to amend the Constitution because because something is in there. Yeah. And 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 I think that uh, Terry's point that this doesn't happen too often that it, that it wins. I don't think that because issue three won that we can look forward to other issues being on the ballot and winning the same way. It won't happen. I mean, they had to collect close to a million signatures yeah. to make sure they had. I think it was just over four hundred thousand that were valid to get it. I, that's not easy. I mean, it speaks to why you need a firm to do we it. We spent 50, 50 million dollars, of which probably seven or eight was, was to signature gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they did 700,000 for 400,000, but, but it doesn't matter. I mean, this was a campaign that spent a lot of money, and but that's why it's won. But the signature part's the easy part. The tough part is getting this thing passed, mm -hmm. because the SEIU union tried a sick leave thing, we had the strip clubs. I mean, we've had a lot of people that have tried to do things this way. Yeah. Um, how about putting it on, limiting it to even year elections, even presidential elections, to make sure that most of the folks 
the higher turnout elections that it gets a true a truer sample of Ohio as a whole. But the current constitution says you can only do these petition things in a fall election. Yeah. Now the thing in May will only be able to be on in May because the legislature put it on the ballot by three-fifths votes in both houses and in the committee. So there's some protections that people just can't do a drive-by, let's throw this issue on the ballot. And I, I still think it's, it's, it's true that in, in many cases when, when voters don't understand a, an, uh, you know, an, uh, an issue that may be on a ballot or don't agree with, they're, they're going to tend to vote no anyhow. And, and to get back to your earlier point, if, if, if there is a concern, one I believe would be probably within the state house. Um, you know, a lot of the lawmakers, they're, they're obviously elected to kind of come down and, and um, you know, set these, you know, with the bills and, and, and do things such as the casinos and everything else. I mean, all of those issues went through the state houses at one point. And so I think what you're going to see more of is maybe people just completely bypassing the legislature all, all together. And I mean, that, that may be a concern there. And this went to the ballot because the lawmakers mm -hmm. wouldn't come up with their own plan. Exactly. Okay. Our next topic, it's not often that Republicans in Ohio look to their counterparts in Massachusetts for inspiration, but that's what's happening this week. Scott Brown's Senate triumph in the state that during Watergate said, don't blame us, we voted for McGovern, has fired up the GOP. Jerry Austin, how concerned are Ohio Democrats about what happened in Massachusetts with uh, Scott well, Brown? I, I think they were concerned before Tuesday. I don't think uh, Tuesday made it any more concerned. But the interesting thing about Massachusetts is that, first of all, it's the first time in 46 years that Ted Kennedy was in the ballot. People voted for Ted Kennedy. He was an institution. Ted Kennedy beat guys like Scott Brown 70-30 for the last 40 years. Uh, number two, uh, the attorney general uh, was a terrible candidate, uh, took for granted that, that she would win, uh, didn't campaign, um, didn't know that Kurt Schilling does not play for the New York Yankees, which, is, which you know, certainly lose her a lot of votes in the state that's rabid uh, Boston fans. Uh, and I think Scott Brown uh, you know, has uh, Hollywood looks, a uh, very attractive family, rode around in, in, in a pickup truck. I mean, he ran a really good campaign. And, you know, Jupiter was aligned with Mars for him. But I don't think that what happened in Massachusetts is, is a, a harbinger of things to come in Ohio because I think that people understood that there were problems in Ohio before Massachusetts. He's a populist. The truck signifies that. Which Republican candidate running statewide in 2010 is the most populist has the most populous characteristics. Well, I think you're going to find Kasich, uh, the son of a mailman from a blue-collar town mm -hmm. suburb of Pittsburgh, uh, is going to play up that blue-collar thing. When he announced Mary Taylor stressed her father was a union uh, bricklayer. But I think there's a lot of lessons out of Massachusetts, and Scott Brown ran a good campaign. But I emailed back and forth last night and this morning with Neil Newhouse, who was Scott Brown's pollster, and he outlined in Newsweek and some other places there were a number of different things and the Democrat candidate made some mistakes, but Scott Brown did some very smart things. But there's a real anger, and when you look at the polling data, you see 22% of the Democrats voted for Scott Brown. And among the labor voters, uh, the Democrat candidate barely won. So to have a Republican of labor union members getting roughly 45% of the vote, that tells you about the coalition he built. Healthcare, the People, he claimed health care was the reason why he won. Um, what does this do to Mary Jo Kilroy's stance on health care or other Ohio lawmakers in close races, what their stance on health care might be? Well, I, th I think that uh, it's a very good question because we have a lot of, uh, in Ohio and other places, uh, incumbent congressmen who are in marginal districts and 
looking at this, they're going to be in a tough race anyway. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it, that, that it, that it changes her vote. Uh, are we going to have a health care bill? I think we are. Uh, will it be the one the president wanted? No. Uh, but they will get a health care bill through some way, uh, you know, compromised uh, to the nth degree. But all these people are in tough races. I mean, this, this may, may me it makes it a little bit tougher, but they all know they're in tough races. This is, a, this is one of these years in, uh, that are coming up uh, which could, be, could make 1994, you know, look like child's play. I, I agree with Jerry uh, that we will get a health care bill eventually, but it's not going to be, you know, what the president wants. And uh, another poll that I saw uh, also said that the people who were voting, uh, who came out in Massachusetts and supported uh, Senator Brown, um, they weren't happy with the way and the direction of the, the prodding along of the health care, you know, reform initiative in Washington or the way the Obama administration has handled the big banks in Wall Street at this point. And so they take it out, you know, yeah. on who it's the status quo. Right. Yeah. It's a vote against the status quo. But I do think that the candidates in Ohio, I mean, I think this helps the Republicans maybe feel like they have some momentum, but ultimately these candidates in close races are really going to have to be doing some polling and checking what's going on in their districts. Um, eventually, though, they're probably only going to be voting for a, a health care bill that has only pieces of what we're seeing in these two bills today. And is, is gonna, is, it's going to have to be a bipartisan bill. So a lot of this, you know, tension may, may go away on its own. But keep keep but one thing in mind, that when Obama put his hand down from being sworn in as president, he assumed all the responsibilities for all the problems in this country. People in this country know that he didn't cause them, but they want a quick fix. He's been there a year. What's the story? That this should be fixed already. Even though he said it may take me a term, they want it done now. Yeah. And the problem for Mary Jo Kilroy, she's already voted for one version of health care that did a massive amount of cuts in Medicare, a lot of other taxes, a lot of other problems, the stimulus bill, Ohio's unemployment as of today went up to 10.9%, way higher than surrounding states, uh, way higher than in Massachusetts. So ultimately it's gonna come down to economics and it's hard to defend if the economic plan's not working. Okay, our next topic, Ted Strickland confirmed the rumors this week and named former Franklin County judge Yvette McGee-Brown as his lieutenant governor running mate. Brown now works at Children's Hospital, where she runs a center devoted to preventing child and domestic abuse. Strickland touted her as an advocate for Ohio families. Ohio GOP Chair Kevin DeWine dismissed her as a social worker. Kathy Kandiski, that's a bit harsh. Did it raise any eyebrows? Harsh. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Well, it, it's just, it's, it, was, it just was a wrong comment to make on, on many different levels. Um, Judge Brown has state government experience. Um, she was a juvenile court judge. She was legal counsel for, I think, one or two state agencies, Department of Youth Services, maybe, I forget the other. Um, and she's run, she started, um, raised money to build the Child Advocacy Center, as you noted. So it was, just, it was kind of unfortunate comment, but it was also kind of insulting. You know, there's a lot of social workers in Ohio doing a lot of good work, and the comments, you know, are kind of demeaning toward that, toward. Yeah. But part of the thing is Jim Ruvalo, former Democrat chairman from Toledo, very smart, very savvy guy. He was basically quoted saying, in a way, lieutenant governor isn't going to matter. What's going to matter is unemployment. And the problem is, based on the dispatch headlines the day after she was announced, it was mainly a pick to shore up the shaky base that the governor's got among liberals and among African Americans but she doesn't have background in business, in job creation, in bringing business to the state. That's what we need. Isn't shoring up the base, basically if she does that, she's done her job. 
I would right? say. Well, but the problem for the, for the <laughs> governor is yeah. just like happened in Virginia, where the Democrat lost by 17 points, or the incumbent lost in New Jersey, independents are turning very angry with the Democrat Party, and shoring up your base doesn't do you any good. Uh, you've got to reach out to independents. But keep, keep in mind that, that uh, DeWine's comment is just typical uh, of, of, of the negativism that, that has been going on for quite a while. I remember, wasn't Barack Obama just a community organizer? And now uh, Judge Brown is just a social worker. Uh, well, DeWine is just a political hack. Uh, so, you know, this kind of negativism is, was going on in Washington. We'll see it, uh, you know, front and center here in o Ohio this year. It was funny, you know, earlier this week, um, Seth Morgan announced for state auditor on, I forget what day it was, but, but the day before, and everyone knew he was going to announce, but even the day before he made his official announcement, the Democratic Party came out with a statement slamming him. Yep. Uh, it was kind of funny, you know, how trigger-happy everyone is to jump in and try and brand somebody or label them and, you know, create that first image of who they are. It's, it's a lot of negativism. Okay. Ohio residents realizing that are now realizing that no new taxes does not mean no new fees or fines. The latest example is at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, where it now costs you an extra 20 bucks if you miss the deadline to renew your driver's license. This comes on top of an uproar over higher parking meter rates in Columbus that city officials have now rescinded. And don't forget our friends over in Heath, they made the city take down the cameras, which were collecting a lot of money catching drivers speeding and running red lights. Terry, what's wrong with increasing late fees on driver's license applications? Well, the problem is when you brag about your budget and how good it is and how you're opposed to taxes, because Governor Strickland over and over and over again said no tax increase. These are what amounts to hidden taxes. They make people angry. And in some ways, I found out in politics, it isn't the big $26 million project that gets you in trouble. It's when happened, Governor Gilligan brought an Oriental $13,000 rug for the governor's office. That's something people can understand they talk about. So when people think they're gonna gouge me an extra 20 bucks, because I'm a couple days late on my uh, driver's license, it irritates them and they'll never forget it. Isn't it picking your poison that would you rather make those folks angry or everybody angry with a tax increase? But everybody's got a driver's license and they don't like, they can understand 20 bucks and they feel the government's gouging Yeah, them. but if you pay it on time. It's a catch 22, <laughs> you know, it's a catch 22 for the state. Yeah. They need the money. They need the money, and it's, it is a better option than an outright tax increase. But you do run the risk. I mean, didn't they throw the mayor out in Heath? Yes, they did. They overturned the, the, all the cameras, narrowly, but they overturned it. And that was raking in a ton of money. <laughs> there was actually a story in USA Today re recently where it said a number of states are beginning to just outlaw these, these cameras altogether, and, and largely because because they are just cash cows, apparently, because uh, what was sold as a public safety uh, sort of tool, um, there's not a lot of evidence behind a lot of these cameras that they're preventing a lot of in accidents and incidents um, within intersections where they're located at. So, Yeah, the city of Columbus, they, they look at, because they, when they put the camera up, they, it's like a trial for a month. There's no tickets. And they, they sh show that the number of red light runners at these cameras' mm -hmm. intersections has gone down. But they also, each ticket is, what, 100 bucks, and the city gets a good chunk people of that. People get mad, even, though if they, even if they're in the wrong, people get mad about it. And, and the parking meter fees really irritates people because even though they've temporarily rescinded it, Columbus made a secret promise for $42 million to subsidize a Hilton Hotel in downtown Columbus, 
and they got to come up with the money and they don't want to take it away from police and fire so they're going to gouge people on parking meters and parking meter rates and tickets in Columbus are very high and it's basically a way of saying stay out of the downtown don't come here. Jerry Ted Strickland said early on in his term that a fee is a tax, a tax is a fee. I assume that your counterparts on the other side are going to be pulling that soundbite in the next for next fall's ads. They, they got a lot of soundbites. <laughs> they got a lot of soundbites, and and, and uh, this is going to be a very interesting year because uh, you know John, John Kasich hasn't been uh, in the forefront here for quite a while, and John Kasich is you know basically not saying anything, uh, which is what I would advise. Um, he's not the governor, and uh, you know that the party out of power right now. Uh, has an advantage uh, because they're not governing, uh, and you know when you make statements, uh, you sometimes you you, you you tend to eat those statements. And in addition, you know we o we live in a society where if someone's crossing against the uh, red light on Broad and High, they're on YouTube in the next five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to our weekly off-the-record comments from our panel. Some final thoughts. Predictions for the weeks ahead. Kathy Kindis, key up first. Well, I'm going to take. I'm going to go out on a limb with the with the casino vote, and I'm going to say that I think it's going to pass, and we're going to end up with a casino pretty quickly out on the west side. Okay, Reggie. Uh, I was going to say. I was going to say something along those lines. Actually, <laughs> you took it away from it. Um, it just. But uh, I will say this. How about this? Um, John Kasich, we saw last fall that was pulling even, just about even with uh, Strickland in a lot of the polls. I think uh, that we're going to find that he's probably pulled slightly ahead mm -hmm. in, in the next coming days, and then the race will really be on. Okay, Jerry. Well, despite the uh, recent negative publicity that Tiger Woods and John Edwards have gotten, that I predicted uh, this year there will still be politicians that believe that the penis is where their brain is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terry, top that one. <laughs> well, it, it is hard to top that one, but uh, from one of the movies, he's back, and the he is Larry Householder, controversial former Ohio House Speaker. Mm -hmm. He's looking and probably will be filing by February 18th to either run for Ohio House or State Senate in a Republican primary from his base in uh, Perry County and some other counties in Central Ohio. Interesting. Okay, that is Columbus on the Record for this week. You can check out our website. There you can get a preview of the topics we'll discuss each week. You can check out our streaming video in case you miss an episode on Friday or Sunday. You can also check out our Facebook page. There's a link to it at our website, also a link to our blog. All of that at wosu.org slash cotr. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.